Dear Church Podcast. As pastors, all of us have had to navigate political minefields over the last many years. And I don't think it's exclusive to the last few years, but for sure, um, the days in which we live have been have become politicized in almost every arena, right? So as pastors, we wanted to talk a little bit about how we are praying through and, um, and walking through the days in which we live uh, in the political scene. And so we're going to start the podcast today just talking a little bit about each pastor's perspective. And it's going to be I'm assuming, interactive with one another here, uh, their perspective on different political issues and how they're handling it specifically in church life. Because I think that that's that's the key. We're not we're gonna we're not going to talk about our political positions as much as we are how we are walking through all of that. Um, and uh, and that's that's really what we decided to talk about today. So so let me just kind of open it up and let's just start. How do how do you guys handle the whole R versus D? Uh, red versus blue, Republican versus Democrat in the local church. We mentioned this in a light, lightning round. And specifically, what we said was, can a person be a Democrat and be a member of your church? That's what we asked. We gave a few answers, but let's revisit it and let it go from there. As the foreigner, shall I take this one? Oh, I'm sorry. We meant to cut your mic. I didn't I didn't know that you were still talking, Martin. How'd you Hold get on. invited to this episode in the first place? <laughs> God save the queen. His perspective, <laughs> his perspective is going to be, I think, very valuable in putting in context how Americanized oh, sometimes yeah. our faith has yeah. become. Oh yeah, yeah. This is, you, you are spot and, on, Steve. So before yes. we go and, on, and that's part of the whole, I think, political pushback that we see more often in these days. And I think Trump helped wake a lot of people up to that. And we can get into the whole Trump thing here at some point. But the fact of the matter is. Yeah, we we tie far too much of our Christianity to Americanism, and I think that's a mistake. So this is for background's sake, but I pastor in southern Indiana, fairly conservative area. You pastor in Branson. Would you say that's a fairly conservative in Springfield. area? Springfield. Springfield, but Branson area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's oh, like— Oh, yeah, we're a very conservative area. That's like our, the homeschool Christian vacation destination choice. Yeah, it's the buckle, buckle yeah. the Bible belt, but yeah. every southern city claims to be that. So. Yeah, but, but Martin pastored for 13 years in—was a missionary in England and, and Ireland, and Tom pastored for many years in Chicago. So we're going to see different uh, lines of thinking here, I'm, I'm sure of it. I think— I think Steve puts his finger on one of the two ditches because I think the ditches in this conversation are churches and pastors and Christians who do nothing with politics, avoid it entirely. And then the churches and pastors and Christians who are overly political. Oh, yeah. So I think some of us are closer to some ditches than others. Yep. Uh, and some of us think we're right and everybody else is wrong. And who would feel that way on this podcast? I can't imagine that. Only being four an of issue. us, I think. Yeah. But, but then so. we have to talk about this because it's a real thing and, and politics is overwhelming society. Can yes. we, we, do we agree with that? I mean, everything is political. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, from my perspective, okay, where I am now, uh, it's a very, very conservative area. You know, the vast majority would be pro-Trump or at least leaning towards Trump. And, uh, you know, and I, I am looking forward to a time when it's more, you know, conservative versus non-conservative rather than personality versus personality, which I think is a political issue right now. But, you know, my approach from the pulpit has been to focus on biblical principles and not on the political individual that would go with that principle. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, and I would, the ditch I would lean towards would be, 
you know, virtually no mention of it, which I'm not convinced is right, but I prefer my wrong to someone else's wrong. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that's, that what that, I... That's have, badly said, but we all live there, so... <laughs> yes, it's reality. I think we're all wrong, but I prefer my wrong. <laughs> right. You know, so, you know, I would, I would err towards staying away from politics, um, which for most of my life I would have done in the south of England. Most of the political party, parties would have been very central. Then I moved to Northern Ireland and politics there was, you know, in your face, on the ground, made a difference. And so that's probably when I first really started paying attention, because before then, you know, there was really no, it didn't matter who you support, the country was going to do the same thing. And then in recent years in the United Kingdom with Brexit, it became very heated again. And we had immigrants who, for for one reason or another, were very fearful of of what the result would be. And so I stayed away from it because I wanted to prioritize the gospel. And then there was Mexit. Does anybody know Mexit? <laughs> That's Martin's exit. Ah, uh, got me. We've been so Brexit, Brexit as a country, July 4th, 1776. <laughs> but you were very rude about it. Like, we, we just got called rude by a Brit. That's awesome. We, we, t- <laughs> you know, with, with Brexit, we talked it through. We made our arguments. We put it to a vote. And we, we did the same thing in the 1770s. We talked it through, made our argument. And voted with bullets. You guys started shooting, and so we shot back. That's exactly how it went. No, that's yeah. no. Anyway, last, last time I listen, checked it, I went to an ACE school. That is exactly how it went. <laughs> oh, okay, I went. Saying. I went to an ACE school, and they didn't have a British curriculum at the time, oh, so that's no. exactly what I learned. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> that is so funny. But it's complicated. Anyway, <laughs> we forgave you. But I go back to the question but, though that we that we brought up. Right. Yeah. Can can you can someone be a Democrat be a be a member of your church? And that's where I'm kind of I was going to circle back. A hundred percent, yes. On that, it's so a person can be a Democrat. And be yeah, a I think when you focus on principles and you focus on the principle of the gospel, that's got to be your starting point. Mm-hmm. And and there are some official Democrat positions that are deeply problematic, and you know so so the. Generally, the Democrat position on abortion is a problem. But the Democrats that I know who are members of good Bible-believing churches don't agree with the official Democratic position. And so I think that's where a Democrat can be a good Christian, even if we disagree with them on their political stance. Yeah, I I think it's absolutely ludicrous that that be a litmus test for membership of a church. Don't you think there are some churches where that's not a litmus test, but that's how the Democratic people feel. They come into a church that is so Mm. Republican and so Mm -hmm. verbal about it and so, let's just say, Trumpish, that that they feel... Go ahead, Steve. Well, I'll just say this. That is so much in the culture of independent Baptist churches and maybe even all of American churches that, you know, conservative evangelical churches, so much of Republicanism is in there that people listening to this podcast that fit in that realm, it makes them uncomfortable, maybe even angry that we would answer that a Democrat can be a member of the church. And they get get viscerally upset about it is... Yeah. It's heartbreaking and somewhat mind-blowing. How much of that do you think is driven by fear? Because the pastors have not properly taught that God is able to give victory through a number of different avenues. Okay, and so here, here as a Brit, I right. want to, you know, I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb. But God has won victories for his glory 
in monarchies, communist nations, capitalist nations. And although I would argue that one has definitely accomplished far more than what you've seen under the others, humanly speaking, pragmatically speaking, um, but the, the, the tone is very often set, if capitalism falls, then the church is done. And so people are fearful. There, and I, so they look to yeah, politics for hope. I think there's two things there. One is you're spot on and the New Testament is living proof. You study the Roman Empire, it's awful. And yet mm. Christianity grew in it and thrived, actually. But the other is that so much of our our people's reaction is fear-driven and anger-driven. Mm. And I write about this in Freed from Sin. We're not sorry about, we're not sorrowing over sin. We're afraid we're losing our culture. Mm. Right. It's that's not good. a spiritual reaction. That's, a, that's a, very true. It's a, it's a fear-driven emotional, uh, and I'm going to throw patriotism under the bus here, a patriotic reaction rather than a spiritual reaction. And I think that's, I think it's a symbol of our shallowness, our carnality as people. We've forgotten we're pilgrims and strangers. Big time. At the same time, and that's not, this is not pushback, this is, I think, contrast and perspective. Um, you know, we have, we have a flag in our, in our auditorium. It's off to the side. I mean, you guys saw it. It's not in a prominent position. We don't, you know, we don't pledge the flag every service, uh, that kind of thing. But I always tell people when we do have a patriotic Sunday, which yes, we do have patriotic Sundays here. Uh, when we do something like that, and it's, it's very normal for me to point to the Christian flag and say, we have the Christian flag here. That's just a representation of our citizenship in heaven. I said, but this is a representation of our mission field. And I point to the American flag. And so I, I do try to keep that in perspective mm, because so. I don't I don't want people to think we worship America. But I'm not like some people who believe no flags in the auditorium. Uh, you know, we should never have a patriotic Sunday, um, that kind of thing. And I, that's a that's a thing that's out there right now that kind of baffles me. So I don't let, me, let me push back against that a little bit Thank in you. this aspect. Me I, what I mean, should Chinese churches have patriotic Sundays? You know, I can't answer that. I'm not aware. Oh, that's a dodge, man. No, no, I, I'm not. Well, because I'm not. It's, not seriously, of it. I'm not aware of what it's like to be a Chinese citizen in oh, China. Now, obviously, I don't look, think. That, look at the back of your I think, iPad. No, no, no. Listen, China. listen. I'm going to give a better answer. Okay. Look, okay. Oh, nice. And then I'll give an iPad. That's hilarious. And then I'll give a better um, answer. Then you'll give a better <laughs> answer. Right. Yeah. Well, it, first of all, China's shutting down churches. Okay. Right. So obviously the premise of their government is ex nay on the whole church thing completely unless they maybe have a state religion which is not Christian religion at all mm. but here in America we have religious freedom and I would that, argue that, that, a lot of founding there a lot of our founding had to do with that you're so, answering an see, apple question with an orange yeah now you're yeah. getting are we talking to, about iPads again or what now okay. you're yeah. getting <laughs> to the crux of the matter and that is we have become Protestants as Baptists and we've tied our faith and our government together and as much as I love, but that our doesn't country, have anything to do the with the position of, of why country. I have a flag in my auditorium, though. But it does well, with having patriotic Sundays. All right, Martin, I really want to hear what you what you got to say. Go ahead. Well, I would say that patriotism isn't wrong. It, it's a matter of the the preeminence that it's given. So I, I think it's it's wrong to not be grateful to be in the country you're in. And so, you know, I you know I'm the only one that's actually chosen to be in this country. You all were just born here. I'm <laughs> I'm here by choice. But, you know, I, I'm grateful for all that the Lord has done through the United States. And I'm thankful for everything that's been accomplished in terms of missionaries sent out mm -hmm. in, in the terms of the, the, you know, the resources of teaching and gospel literature. You know, the United States has been used greatly of the Lord. I think, by the same token, if you were born into China, 
you shouldn't sit there and say, oh man, I wish I was British. You know, I wish I was American. You should say, I thank you, Lord, for letting me be born into this Yeah, but people country. all over the world do wish they were American. I'm just saying. I, that's true. And I pastored a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I, I think your answer is right, but it's not right enough, Martin. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's... Because, because so, and I prefer my wrong to your wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, to but quote in, a great statement. in everything, give thanks. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't disagree okay. with that. And, and, and I, I don't think, think a missionary should go to China and force them to put up an American flag. Okay, and, and I agree all. with that too. But here's, here's the issue. The issue mm-hmm. is not the American flag in your auditorium. The issue with the Patriotic Sunday is it's not biblical. There's nothing wrong with patriotism. There's something wrong with your church, which has the authority of the word of God and of scripture, standing up and elevating one country over another because the Bible doesn't and God doesn't. Mm-hmm. And if somehow I, in, in preaching the word of God, if I stand behind the pulpit and I preach messages that imply or, or people somehow infer from them that God loves America more than everybody else, I should love America more than I love any other country because I'm an American, but God doesn't. And, and I am God's representative in the pulpit. I'm not a representative of America. I'm a representative of God. If I'm going to do a patriotic something, and I am this July 4th, actually, it's, it's not going to be a church service. It's going to, I'm going to call it something different specifically to avoid that direct connotation. I'm not, the word of God does not, does not elevate America, and I have mm-hmm. no right to do so. Right. But I, think yeah, but I, don't, I don't think that by having a patriotic service, I'm doing any of those things, though. Well, at least not the way I do it. Yeah, I think there's a difference between saying God needs America rather than God, thank you for what you've allowed in okay. America. Well, so that's, well, that's, that's well, great. And Go ahead. One of my burdens and one of the things that really started to kind of wake me up to some of, you know, because I, there was a day where I was 100% in favor of patriotic services. I loved them. And it's a matter of the fact that we have wed biblical Christianity and conservative Republicanism to the point that I've had people in my church. And so I'm thinking of one particular guest that came once. He was a a parent of one of our adult members and he was in from out of town and we were talking a little bit about politics and I was talking about how they need Christ and he just pretty much said, no, they need to go away. And there was just a vitriol toward them. And I think of conservative talk radio and you got to understand, I, I'm the old guy in here and I, I campaigned for Ronald Reagan in 1980 as an eight year old boy stood outside a polling place with flyers helping Reagan get elected president and the whole moral majority thing. I, I began listening to Rush Limbaugh in 1988 as a 16 year old, you know, teenager when he just first came on the air. So I know conservative, I know all of that. And I think it has turned us into some pretty unloving people at times that just are concerned about our comfort and our finances and our, and as somehow, as, as if somehow Trump can bring revival rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps Christ is going to use a Hillary presidency or a Biden presidency to bring revival rather than both of we, those we, positions irritate the fire out of me, by the way. Good. Both of them do. I think that's everything you just said, Brad Deck, I'm hollering him into. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But but why I am pointing to the patriotic service is not because I want to argue for why I, I'm allowed to do that. Okay, my liberty in Christ, whatever. It's because it gives a tangible illustration of something sure. that some people are doing wrong and some people I think can do right. Does okay, that make I sense? Can't, I can't, well, first of all, I shouldn't judge you. But secondly, I actually, it's hard. I know. I, I I'm not in your patriotic. <laughs> Let's not right. make this ganging right. up on Brother Russ. Oh no 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 no. This is this is fine. This is fine. Well, at some point in this podcast, we're all going to be ganging up on somebody. That's so we, exactly we have right. to be able to handle it. Yeah. I hope you don't all gang up on me because then all three of you will end up being wrong. Uh huh. 
But go ahead. That would be uncomfortable. <laughs> go ahead and be wrong. Yeah, continue. <laughs> go ahead with your wrong, then we'll move on to another wrong. Yeah, I like my wrong better than your wrong. I think it was a statement that came out of this podcast. Yeah, that is That's a quotable. Yeah, That's quotable, but I'm not sure I like it. Go it ahead. Rem- it reminds me of a quote in Brother Willette's book on a more sure word where he says, you know, I like the questions I can't answer rather than the questions. Oh, the that's yeah. And I actually, I mean, that's, that yeah. is a valid. You but know. don't you think the English way of putting it is punchier than the French way? Like, it's just anyway, well, we're the French are not track. punchy about anything. So I don't <laughs> oh. you just put the bar so low. So, anybody could clear so it. So you were saying you're not going to judge me on my on my patriotic service because you're not I, here. I have, I have a, so it's a, I don't want to be unfair to you. Right. Understood. I also don't as a as a default principle, I don't want to be ungracious, but I don't think you feel like I'm being ungracious. No, not at all. I, I'm yet. just convinced that somehow we have taught a lot of American Christians mm-hmm. that they are better Christians because they're American, mm. and that is, and somehow that our gospel is is American, and somehow if you get the gospel, you'll be American, and all of that is untrue. Well, let's talk yeah, about whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, that that bleeds into missions, and oh, yes. I, I've talked to Martin, and Martin's in, you know, where. American missionaries almost act as if nationals don't have the ability to function as as good Christians. They're missing something. Right, Martin? Yes. (laughs) In some cases, we become spiritual colonizers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and it blows Uh, my mind that that it blows my mind that that even happens of American missionaries in England. Which, I mean, no two people could be more alike than Americans and the English. No yeah. offense. I, mean, brother, I think brother that would Wiggins, be too late. But, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, think of how much that would go on in a missionary in a third world country. And I think that's a very wide conversation. I think it would yeah. be fun to have at some point about exporting the IFB <laughs> worldwide. And we yeah. need to bring um, some missionaries in on that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we have one here. Well, Ex- former. I'm quit. a missionary. I'm an immigrant. What? <laughs> no, no, no. He's still a missionary. All right, all right. Trust me. I just, I just changed mission fields. Yeah, right. Um, well, I agree with you because I've written the same thing. I was just cheap shot, you know. I no, I blood all it. over the floor in this podcast. Oh, no, For no, the no, record, I left the promised land of Michigan to minister in Missouri, so I'm a missionary. Michigan is the promised land. Have you oh, been? Have you driven through Detroit recently, guys? I have no. Yeah. I cannot Children. defend Detroit. Your Children. stunned silence is very reassuring. <laughs> didn't, but, okay, didn't we have some specific? We ha- yeah, we have some specific things we wanted to talk about. And and when I say specific, I mean I have five numbers and two words next to each number. So that's just all we're going off of here. It goes back to this. We we have to get our priorities in order. Now, the patriotic service is just an example. It's not the entire conversation here, but I think it's a picture of what some people do wrong and what some people, when they do it in moderation, I mean, literally we do it when we have this July 4th on, you know, we do it when we have a Memorial Day and we bring these things up, but I didn't, I didn't detract from my sermon series on Memorial Day. You know, those kind of things, I think we can we can balance them out. So that leads us into something else, though. What happened last year in 2020 became extremely political, which should not have been political, but it, be, it became political for a lot of reasons. And I think we should avoid getting into some of those reasons. But I want to ask you guys, you know, how did you navigate and did your church become, did, did your members become very political in how they approached you about the COVID issue, the closing of the services, the live stream issue, the parking lot. I mean, we did all of that stuff. And then when we reopened, we stayed we stayed open until we had to shut down because there was a COVID outbreak in our community that affected our church. But how did that affect you guys? And and did you run into did you run into political vitriol from your members as a result of COVID? Good question. 
I did not. I was very blessed. Our church was on board with the decisions we had made. And I jokingly say, but it's not really much of a joke that I personally in our church held almost every position there was to hold on COVID. <laughs> like, you know, everything evolved and things constantly were evolving. And I don't think as much as it, it, it seems to be winding down and, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is um, our church was pretty gracious when it comes to that. And we yeah, had people all over the spectrum, some that never wanted to wear masks, some that so um, how did you are handle still that? wearing masks. How did you handle that? Because that I, became a political issue. Right. It became a political issue here when the mayor issued a mask mandate before the governor did for the city of Evansville because we were considered a hot spot. Right. And I, the way I approached that was that everybody has the individual soul liberty to do as they feel. And we did what we felt we needed to do as far as social distancing seats for a while. But then as far as masks go, we never mandated them. It was just a matter of what whether people preferred mm-hmm. to do that or not. Yeah, that's what we did. We let people do what they needed to do. And I took one official position on masks, and that was that our church is not going to divide over it. And that's how I put it to our church. That's good. I said, if, you, if you're asking my position on masks, we are not going to divide our church over a piece of cloth. And I think that leads to one of the reasons Brother Next Church handled it well, and one reason your church handled it well, and my church handled it well, and I look forward to hearing what Martin has to say, is because we downplayed it. Right, right. Not, not downplayed the epidemic, but downplayed... The controversy. Yes, and, and played up, you know, we're, we're still church, and we're God's people, and we're going forward, and mm-hmm. we'll find a way to get through this on the other side, we'll come out the other side, and... And you don't respond to every yank of the steering wheel, and you don't you don't over respond to every yank of the steering wheel that government mm-hmm. does, or media does, or your community does. Mm-hmm. You you take all that with a grain of salt, and you lead that way. Martin, your perspective on this has got to be crazy. As in, you know, you're, here you are, uh, British in America during COVID, and you're watching all the madness that unfolds. How did that affect you guys? I think it was. It was a little bit more challenging because the the political realm is so much closer to churches here than it is in mm. Britain. So, you know, I was still learning the culture and the church. You know, I'd been there almost exactly a year and almost a year to the day we shut down for six weeks. And mm. so my my process from the beginning was to emphasize unity in Christ. And even if we disagreed on, you know, COVID as a sickness, the response to it from Washington the response of individuals, at some point we needed to rally around Christ once more. Even if that meant temporarily, we just said, you know what, I disagree, but um, we're going to get through this. And at the other end, we're still going to be brothers and sisters in Christ. So we shut down for six weeks. Uh, We gradually reopened. We we never mandated masks. There were some, I think, who felt like we did. Did your state mandate them? Yes. So you allowed Um, the state to mandate, and then you just you didn't i don't i don't mean to say you didn't enforce but you said that's that's the job of the citizen yeah so what what we did is we we requested people to wear masks now we never said that they had to but it was a request and there were some who who took that request as a mandate but they you know again i i feel so blessed the way our church has come through it just you know i praise the lord for each and every one of them and there were some heated discussions but at the end of it all we, we've come through. So we, we shut down for six weeks, gradually reopened, gradually took away the different divisions between every other pew, or, you know, we had two services to try and keep numbers lower. So we tried to treat it seriously without overreacting or underreacting. 
And then sometime last July or August, we actually added a whole other service where we did say, look, if you come to this service, you have to follow every mandate. Mm-hmm. You must wear a mask. You must divide. Yeah, we did that. We, we did don't sing. Similar. And we actually kept that. was that. really helpful. Yeah. And so we had people come with, you know, they had serious health concerns. Um, perhaps because of their, their work situation, their work almost required it of them. And so we, we found, I feel like, a middle road. And then the rest of the services the rest of the day were live streamed. The, the requirements were optional and, you know, pretty much no one did at those services. We had an FM broadcast going out to our, our parking lot. And now we're trying to bring it all back together again. And so, again, I, I think it was trying to emphasize unity in Christ and not ignoring those other things, but not letting the political drive us. Russ, you said earlier that you took an approach of trying to be under the radar. Can you expand on that? Yeah, uh, we didn't try to become lightning rods for freedom Mm. when we felt like we were where it was a little bit, you know, and and the other thing I should say is that Indiana was a great state to live in during COVID. Right. And that's what I I was just going to bear note of the fact that although we do represent different regions of the country, that by and large, we were in conservative states with maybe the exception of Martin, but even Martin being in a rural area. Mm. And we have some good pastor friends in Illinois and California. they were really, yeah, in Illinois, California, I have probably family New in California, York. Yeah. I mean, they really went through it tough. And yeah. I, I also do want to note that we are taping this um, podcast uh, because things do change so much. And, taping. you know, we can always... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thanks. I'm recording. He campaigned for Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You campaigned for Ronald Reagan, man. In answer to you, Tom, because we were in Indiana, number one, even our our mayor, when he first did a mask mandate, um, he excluded churches. And then when the governor did all of his stuff, he also made churches an essential business at the very beginning. And he excluded churches from the mask mandate in such a way that basically what it read as was... Yeah, we, you know, you should do this, 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 and this, but churches have First Amendment rights, which is, you know, we really want you to do this, but we know we, we're not going to, we're not going to get into that with you, which took enormous pressure off of me, you know? So basically I knew that every, every week of the year, every Sunday of the year, people were coming in stressed out over this COVID stuff. And there was so Mm -hmm. much happening week to week that it was a different stressor every week, a different trigger every week. And I just preached the word and kept going. And and a lot of times didn't even mention it. If I did mention it, I would say, I would say, you know what, we're all going through together. I would just kind of mention it and go on because I think there was a danger in not mentioning it. And some people did Mm -hmm. that and that's fine. Uh, But there was also danger in mentioning it too much. And I don't want to criticize any man's ministry here. This is not my intent, but I found that as a church in our city at our size, there was no reason for us to go on the war path because that would have a lot of people say negative attention, still attention. Yeah, but I'm just going to tell you right now, our mission did not include going to bat. Now, now we were clear about stuff. We were we were faithful to maintain that we believe. And by the way, I'll add this in and then I'll shut up for a minute um, that I had very strong opinions on this. Mm. very strong opinions. Like, I think it was good you didn't make yourself or your church a lightning rod. I did not make in, it an outlet for way. my opinions yeah. and my positions because I knew that would that would hurt not. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying right now not to share my strong opinions. So am I. Because, <laughs> right, and I think they're, my strong opinions I know are different than yours in a lot right. of ways because we've talked about it. Right. And that leads me to say this. If we want to help people listening and help churches 
lay people, preachers, can we just say, and I know this, this, this podcast isn't solely about COVID, it's about government and, and church's involvement. Can we just say that- This episode is, yeah. Yes, this episode. So can we just say that when it comes to COVID and the responses of pastors, churches, lay people, can we just cut a lot of grace oh, and yeah. slack? Oh, yeah. And right now Absolutely. that we're, when this airs, um, could could we just, if you've left a church, if you've got mad, if you've got upset, let's be gracious. Yeah, get over Wasn't it. That the, yeah. Get, <laughs> I mean, cut, cut each everyone, other slack. Tom, you wrote, and I mean, we, we, it was we just need hard. to move on from this particular COVID issue. It was everybody. You wrote, I think, one of the, I know it was the best article on the COVID issue as it pertains to pastoring um, and talked about, you know, driving through a storm and you didn't need people telling you what to do. You didn't need people pulling on your arm, you, you know, and you were driving through a storm and you just had to get through it. You had to get through mm-hmm. it. And a lot of pastors with the help of God did get through it. Praise and Lord. we all took different approaches well, and it was a real revealer of the fact that we do have individual soul Liberty as pastors, as well as Christians to be able to guide our churches. When I say it was tough and you say we'll get through it, folks, we're not through it. You know, and right, there's, right. Who knows at this point? I oh, mean, yeah. We just don't know. Well, compared I mean, to this time last year. Yes, definitely. And it well, be it noted. seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel. We all know but again, people. we don't know. We all know people who have died from COVID. Yes, right. Do. Yes, yeah. we do. Yes, we do. So I did, well, I did a few. And we've all had outbreaks in our churches that yep. we've had to yeah. deal with. Absolutely. So yeah, that, well, we could, go ahead. I'm just thinking, you know, I think it's an interesting case study looking at COVID in what perhaps ought to be more widely thought about in churches is how we react to these events outside of the church. You know, there's always going to be an issue. And, and perhaps COVID highlighted the fact that we have allowed what's going on outside of these four walls to be more powerful than... Influential than it should be. You know, influential than it ought to be. You know, I think it's interesting to look at it and say, okay, what our response was then... Yeah, I, I think that we should... We've got another topic that we yeah. wanted to get on before we end the podcast. I don't podcast. want to say my piece anyways. And the this is a very pressing one right now, like at, at the time of the recording of this, and I would assume probably at the time it's aired because of the nature of what it is, and that is the immigration crisis, okay? Now, we all know what the law says, I think, to a degree. We all understand what's happening in our country is and, and, and at the borders of our country is devastating. It's horrible it, on a personal level. I, I It breaks my heart. Um, I think it's very, here's what I think. I think uh, it, through multiple nations, not just ours, is poor leadership on this issue has caused some big issues. Okay, some great problems. But we have to look at it from a different perspective, and that is that we have immigrants showing up in our cities and in mm-hmm. our towns. Legal and illegal. Legal and illegal. That's exactly right. And, and I would probably lean toward more of dealing with the, the illegal side as pastors and as churches. My position and my heart on this has really come to a place where I think we need to reach these people and we need to be the church. Mm-hmm. I didn't say the government shouldn't do their job. I said the church needs to do their job. And that means that we may be reaching people who are not here legally. And that's a that's become a huge thing for me because I'm seeing it all over our city. And I love these people and I love these people and I want to see them saved. I think there's something we have to keep in mind, too. And, and, and I'm not taking the left wing approach that don't call people illegal. I'm well, not saying new. that. Okay. I, right. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. But I mean, is it against the law to go th- a mile over the speed limit or three miles an hour over the speed limit? 
Mm. Yes, it is. But there is no police officer that pulls you over for that. And illegal immigration, in the sense, they're not illegal because we're not doing anything about it. Everyone knows it. It's not like it's not like our government is hunting these people down. So I don't think I don't think there's that test of conscience whether we you know, we need to like report everyone that shows up because our local right. governments aren't going to really do anything about it anyways. Well, but but we know the people that we pastor have passionate right thoughts about this and how do we lead our churches? How do we lead our churches toward a gospel focus with these people who God created in his image and and help them to see that we're not we're not saying violate the law, we're saying let's follow God. And let's win them to Christ if we can, and and let's let God deal with the rest. It's, that's not a good way of saying it. It's not the best way, but it's what I had. If we're saying that a ditch on one side of the road in this, in this conversation about politics is churches that are too political, it evidences itself on the immigration issue, a church that's too political, when it is so verbal about immigration. I mean, in conversations amongst the people, in the pastor's own conversations and or pulpit speech or social media speech. And as a result of them being so political about it and so responsive and, and knee-jerk, Republican, build the wall, etc., that that then they they lay aside, they lose any opportunity they have to minister right. to Im, not just illegal, but even legal immigrants in their community mm-hmm. who also have illegal relatives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They, they become known or the atmosphere in their church is so harsh They've boxed out right. whole segments of their population, and that is a that is because of their political response. It's not a scriptural driven response. Right. It's an accidentally politically driven response. Yeah, and we and we get, can't forget we do have an immigrant here with us today. We need to hear your perspective on this. I mean, that's important. Well, I am a legal Correct. immigrant. Um, no, I think in terms of leading our churches, we we emphasize the gospel. And we don't have to abandon the support of the rule of law, because if you have law enforcement in your church, which many of us do either Mm -hmm. directly or we have strong ties in the community, we want them to know, hey, look, we understand you've got a job to do. However, it's towing that line of saying, okay, my first priority is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think as well, when we talk about illegal immigration, I would prefer to steer the conversation to, you know, with individuals who feel passionately about it to what what is the greatest evil as a result of illegal immigration and you know and again i think that is a gospel-centered thing because so many of the illegal immigrants coming into the country once they get in the country they become the victims of terrible abuse Mm -hmm. you know whether it's children who are virtually kidnapped and you know taken across the border and the terrible things they face you know so i think strong responsible immigration laws are good, but the message from the pulpit, I think, shouldn't be predominantly stopping. Yeah, yeah, but doesn't that go back to our conversation on COVID a little bit ago? All of us have very passionate views on COVID that we did not include in our pulpit ministry. Yeah, so I think immigration has to be understood. At least I didn't. Every every nation, every nation has borders. Every nation has immigration laws. And so what I'm saying is, you know, it's good to control the inflow and outflow of, of citizens. Mm-hmm. There's there's a good conversation to be had about that and the rule of law and the necessity of it. But the predominant message from the pulpit, you know, I like you said, Tom, you don't want anyone to um, to feel like they're not welcome because of their immigration status. Mm-hmm. 
That's correct. And I pastored many legal and illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they got saved just like American citizens got saved. They love the Lord just like mm-hmm. American citizens love the Lord. Sure. They serve the Lord just like American citizens love the Lord. And in heaven, we're not going to be Americans. We're not going to be Mexicans. We're not going to be, you know, Latinos and and we're going to be, we're God's people. Right. right. And again, right. I, I'm sensitive to the, what you say about the rule of law because you're right, because that's biblical. Mm-hmm. The rule of law is biblical. But it's not primary. So, it's, it, and that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if we're too close to lunch and my, you know, my brain's not functioning, <laughs> no, but no, no, we're, no. like, it's a matter of setting. I think Steve and I are going to ask the same yeah, question. I have a question. <laughs> How do you handle that? You pastored illegal immigrants as far as them obeying the law. And that's why I brought up the whole speed limit thing that is you, it, it's well, against not all crimes the law, are equal, is it against, yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. Not all crimes are equal though. Right. But is it against is it against the law if it's not even being enforced? And then the other side that goes along with that is, is there any way, and I'm asking, okay, I'm not, this is not a leading question. Is there any way in which we look at this issue to where the government has a, one responsibility and we have another responsibility and we should separate the powers, let the government like do I'm what they the should police. do? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That's true. But that was not my approach. I, I agree with that, but that was not my approach. Okay. My approach is sinners are welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're... You know, somehow being egregiously like, you know, walking in as a homosexual couple and making out in my front row. Well, flaunting sin you know, is that, different. That's that. Mm. But sinners are welcome. And if I start boxing out whole categories of sinners. Yeah. Okay. So what have we said all along, Steve, that in this podcast, we have to come back to Christ. Amen. So how did Jesus <laughs> handle that? How did he treat oh Jews my. and Gentiles? And the Jews of his right. day were horrified with how compassionate he was on the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. How did he minister to people that were outcasts? How did he minister to lepers? How did he minister to, to the to, to the people that the rest of society frowned upon? Mm-hmm. And that's something you said that you had illegal immigrants that loved the Lord. And one of my fears of the republicanization of Christianity is that that rubs people the wrong way. Did not Jesus have a Jew who was a Roman tax collector and also a zealot? Mm-hmm. Yes, Matthew, obviously. Matthew and Simon. And Simon the zealot. Yeah, and the zealots would kill. A, yeah, right. They would kill the Romans. You know, they were the assassins. And I think so that's why he. That's the only thing the New Testament says about Simon. Is I know. It says his political party, and he doesn't say anything right. in the whole New Testament record. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole point of that is is Jesus saying politics is not the answer. Correct. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, so that's. On the immigration issue, I just want to say it right. It's it's simple. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think I think our heart needs to be that we understand that there is a rule of law of which we agree um, with in in many ways. I'm not saying we agree with 100 percent of the laws on the books, um, but then there's also a responsibility and a requirement to preach obediently the gospel of Jesus Christ to all creatures. And when God's sending the mission field to our backyard, why would we... See, that's one of my primary points. We yeah. we raised money to send a guy to Poland. It cost him $100,000 to get there a year and mm-hmm. stay. And we had... Uh, the neighborhood I passed in Chicago was primarily Latino and Polish. And we had... And, and they, were, they were recent immigrants, and I know, because I lived in that community for 16 years. Right. I know in a way that other people don't. Right. And... And, you know, you could have, it's beautiful. The mission field's coming here. And our reaction is an American one out of the fear I mentioned earlier, that my culture is changing, my world is changing, which means basically we're less white than we used to be. And out of fear then, 
we react and we don't react out of compassion and out of love and out of let me bring you to Jesus. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree with that. And, and let me just say, there's a great lesson here for everyone listening that I think is coming through. And that's we've got to get out of our bubble. And we, we interpret far too much of the world through our little bubble because you're affected because you pastored for 17, 16, 17 it, years. It changed in my Chicago, whole life. It changed mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Martin's different because sure. he's his whole world's outside of the bubble right. of the United States. And that's why his perspective is so awesome on everything we talk about right. because right. our churches are Americanized. And there's no way around that. They are American churches. So I'm not saying, but Christianity doesn't have borders you know, and you know what you've helped got me. to get out of that bubble. Yeah. What helped me was going to college in California. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I've actually made this statement in, in recent months to our church. I said, look, I really believe a church should reflect its community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I look at ours and, and we're working on that. There are still some things that, that I go, you know, we need God to help us in these areas. And I'm not going to force certain things, you know, but at you the same, lead. yeah, yeah you have, it has to be a process. I really believe that. Uh, and we have a great church as, as far as all that's concerned. Our people love people. But uh, when I went to California, you have to understand, and I'm coming from Indiana, there was white and then there was non-white. There were right. two categories. And so I, when I went to California, there was white and there was non-white, and I was the minority. Oh, yeah. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I got to see a church operating a Spanish ministry and a Filipino ministry and a Korean ministry and an Indian ministry. And then, you know, the English services and all that. And it was like, oh, wow. Like it blew my mind and helped me. And it, it it took the edge off of my bias. Okay, but those separate ministries were language related, right? Not race related. Mm, well, that's a, I don't think we have time for that. that no, because yeah. I got some strong opinions on that too. Yeah, if I could yeah, sort I of summarize too. this sure. subset of the conversation, any gospel that is more true in America than it is in any other country sure. is too American. Yep. Mm. If our preaching mm-hmm. is only valid or applicable for Americans. Yeah then it's not biblical preaching. Yeah. And I would like to personally invite you guys to my 4th of July service, the Thank next you. one we have, just so you know. Thank you. But you, you just have to come and watch and see how it's supposed to be done. Martin, uh, you going to come to that? Because if you are, I'm going to say the British are coming. <laughs> <laughs> and this time they're staying. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, um, would be a great opportunity, I think, if you don't mind, Martin, for you to summarize this and, and write our letter to the church. Dear church, No one can deny the complexities of living in some form of democracy. Though we value the freedoms provided by our system of government, it does make demands of us. A subject under a monarchy or dictatorship avoids much of the angst that we face. However, none of us would willingly trade freedom from challenging situations for our liberties. And so we must navigate the impact of politics upon ourselves as individuals and as congregations. As pilgrims and strangers, we submit ultimately to our God and represent our heavenly citizenship. But as grateful stewards, we must recognize the nation into which God has brought us. We should be willing to set aside political preferences for the cause of Christ. Our politics should be guided primarily by gospel concerns. We should always keep an eye on eternal things. We should be salt and light and always do so in truth and love. Your friends and fellow laborers, Martin, Stephen, Tom, and Steve. Steve.